One of the most dazzling displays of God's creative genius is the transformation that takes place when a caterpillar turns into a beautiful butterfly. If you are smarter than a fifth grader, then you probably remember the four stages of the butterfly life cycle that you learned in science class. Scientists often describe this change in nature by using the word metamorphosis. The Bible uses the same word to describe the transformed worshiper. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. As a transformed worshiper, don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. Instead, renew your mind with God's Word and experience the butterfly effect. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Do not be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hello, Thanks I'm for Brian here for this weekend edition of this Friday good edition with of Dr. Something Ron Jones. Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today, Ron introduces the concept of transformational worship, of a spiritual metamorphosis that takes place when we reject the world and pursue the genuine worship of God. What's required for this transformation to take place? What does it look like when it happens? Answers are coming right up. Stay with us here or stop by our new digital streaming platform at somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. From his teaching series, True Worship, here's Ron with his Something Good Radio message, The Transformed Worshiper. Ben Jackson and Sam Lawrence both possess a childlike imagination. I know that because they co-wrote a children's book titled, If I Was a Caterpillar. They inspired children of all ages with that miraculous metamorphosis that happens in nature when a little caterpillar changes and transforms into a beautiful butterfly. Uh, they dedicated the book to children around the world and encouraged them to, quote, open up your imagination, spread your wings, and don't ever let anyone stop you from flying. Makes you want to read that to your kids and your grandkids, doesn't it? Ben and Sam write, if I was a caterpillar, I would climb to the top of the tallest tree in the whole world. If I was a caterpillar, I would find the juiciest leaves and eat them all up. If I was a caterpillar, I would crawl along the tiniest branches, reaching out to the sun if I was a caterpillar, I would wake up as an amazing butterfly and fly around the sky with the eagles. Now, it's true that one of the most dazzling displays of creative genius, God's creative genius in creation and in nature is this transformation, this metamorphosis that happens when a caterpillar turns into a beautiful butterfly. Nature has an amazing way of inspiring us to believe that positive change can really happen in our lives. God has just woven that into the fabric of, of creation, and we see it in a number of places. The life cycle of a butterfly can take anywhere from one month to one year, depending on the type of caterpillar. But the transformation that God wants to bring about in our lives as He is changing us 
and transforming us into the image of His Son. Well, this transformation happens every day, and it happens throughout our lifetime. We're always in process of change and transformation. And learning how to worship the God we love is part of that transformational process. I get that idea from uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, and verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles, uh, turn your attention to there. Paul says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. There's that word. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so if I were a caterpillar, now let me rephrase that. If I were a Christian, I would worship God joyously and effusively in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, until He transformed my life in church, at work, at home, and at play. And that's what we've been talking about in this series titled True Worship, is, is, is how worship changes us. I want to talk to you about the transformed worshiper today and what transformational worship looks like and how it happens in our lives, uh, how worship is, is a discipline that God uses to shape us and mold us and, and bring about changes in us to shape us, well, not from caterpillars to butterflies, but from who we presently are into the uh, beautiful image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's go back to Romans chapter 12. I want you to notice a couple things. First, there's both a positive and a negative command in these verses, very important verses. Um, in Paul's argument throughout the book of, of Romans. And in verses 1 and 2, there's a positive and a negative command. You can either be conformed or transformed. Let's start in the negative. He says, do not be conformed to this world. What does he mean by the world? Well, he's talking about the world system that is aligned with the devil a world system that entices the flesh with evil. He says, don't let the world in which you live conform you into its image. Um, elsewhere in the New Testament, John the Apostle says a similar but different thing. First John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, he says, do not love the world nor the things in the world. Again, the world system that is governed by the devil and that entices the flesh to do evil. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. So he says, don't, don't be conformed to this world. Don't love the world 
and don't be conformed by it. There's a relationship between the two. If you love the world and, and the things of this world, you're going to be conformed by those things. You're going to be shaped and molded. In, and one day you'll, you'll, you'll look at yourself and others might look at you and say, you look more like the world than Jesus Christ. The world and the world system that entices the flesh to do evil, that, that has shaped and molded your, your spiritual countenance more than anything else. Uh, Paul says, don't be conformed to this. I love the way J.B. Phillips paraphrases Romans 12 and verse 2. He says, do not let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. And the world, the flesh, and the devil are working overtime to squeeze us into its mold. Every time I read J.B. Phillips's paraphrase of Romans 12:2, I, I think of Jello. I love Jello. And when Jello congeals, right, starts out as a liquid, but when it's poured into a mold, it congeals and it takes on the form of that mold. So last time you were in the hospital, you got little squares of Jello, right? But you can always be more creative than that, and you have a creative mold. Whatever you pour the jello into, it shapes to that mold. I know a lot of Christians who are like jello, and, and they're shaped and molded and congealed by the world and the world system controlled by the devil and all that entices the flesh to do evil. The negative command here is don't be conformed by the world. Now, you always have to balance a negative command with a positive one, and Paul does that beautifully here. Do not be conformed to this world, say it with me, but be transformed, transformed. Now we're back to the caterpillar who becomes a beautiful butterfly because the word translated transformed here comes from the Greek language. It literally means to change the essential form or nature of something. And the word in the original language is the exact word that where we get our English word metamorphosis. So God wants to bring about a metamorphosis in your life and in my life to change us from a grub worm into a beautiful spiritual butterfly. He's changing us from the grub worm into the, the image of Jesus Christ so we can soar with the eagles and not uh, just inch along in this dirty, filthy, grubby world like a worm. How does that happen? Well, through something we might call transformational worship. Again, he, he appeals to us. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. And he's just spent 11 chapters talking about the grace, the mercy of God, scaling the heights of theology regarding the sovereignty of God. Now, now Paul gets immeasurably practical, and he says, I'm appealing to you. I'm begging you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and so forth. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Transformed Worshipper. If you're new to the program, we'd like you to know that all of Ron's messages are archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, use the Partner tab at the top of the homepage to check out the 828 Club. 
A special group of people who partner with Ron so that he can keep sharing the truth of God's word the whole year through. Join the 828 Club from our website or feel free to give us a call at 757-276-1099. Again, that number is 757-276-1099. The first step on the journey towards transformational worship is found in Romans 12, verse 1. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. What does that look like? Find out next in the rest of today's Something Good radio message, The Transformed Worshipper. Once again, here's Dr. Ron Jones. How does transformational worship happen? How exactly does this take place? Three things I want you to write down. Number one, you got to present your body. He says it at the beginning there. Do you see that? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. He says, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Some of you might be thinking, what does my body have to do with worship? I thought worship was a spiritual thing. It's all about the spirit, not the body, right? No, you got to bring your body to worship. And I'm not just talking about showing up in a worship, a place of worship like this in a church. That's important. Uh, It's important to have a physical presence when we're worshiping and a collective presence together. Again, Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Yeah, you got to bring your body to worship. But we're talking about true worship as it relates to church, work, home, and play. What role do our our bodies have in worship? Why should I bring my body and present my body to the Lord? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 represents the capstone of Paul's biblical theology of the body, okay? Uh, we're, We're in rare air here in Romans chapter 12. After all that he has said in the book of Romans and in other places in the New Testament, now he says, present your body as a living sacrifice to God. There are pictures of this in both the Old and New Testament. Isaac, of course, was a living sacrifice. Uh, Didn't actually go through the the death and all of that. You know the story in the Old Testament. Jesus himself was a living sacrifice. They presented their bodies as living sacrifices. We're, we're, We're to be living sacrifices. Somebody once said one of the problems of the living sacrifices is they keep crawling off the altar, and that's true. What does it mean to present your body as a living sacrifice? And again, what what place does the body play in all of this? Because most of us have a love-hate relationship with our body, don't we? (laughs) Most of it's on the hate side. The nip and tuck plastic surgery culture in which we live is a daily reminder that Americans and most human beings don't like their body. We're either too tall or too short, too fat or too skinny. We don't like our body because it's disease-ridden, or it's carrying excess weight, or we have body odor. I mean, why, why would God want my body to show up in worship? Isn't the soul and the spirit more important than the body? Well, actually, in church history, some wanted us to believe that. One of the early heresies in the first, second, and third century was something called Gnosticism. Gnostics believed that salvation came by attaining the higher knowledge of God. In the Greek language, gnosis uh, is the word for knowledge, thus Gnostics. 
And the Gnostics uh, strongly emphasized the mind over the body, believing the body was of secondary importance. They even went so far as to say the body was evil and only the spirit could be redeemed. And this led to a couple of extremes in church history, Uh, asceticism on one end and something called antinomianism on the other end. Asceticism called for the fleeing of all bodily pleasures because the body was evil. And we don't need to entice the body with evil. And then antinomianism uh, reasoned that if the body was of little importance compared to the soul, then we can do whatever we want with it, okay? It's our body and it doesn't matter in in our relationship with God. This led to, in some cases, uh, drunkenness, gluttony, sexual promiscuity. In the pagan religions, they actually mixed worship at the pagan temples with sexual promiscuity through the use of temple prostitutes, if you can imagine that. And they disgraced their bodies through sexual promiscuity and called that worship. Now, the Apostle Paul addresses these sinful uses of the body in his letter to the Corinthians, who, by the way, came out of the pagan religions. The Jewish church had a much easier route to authentic Christianity coming out of Judaism, but the Corinthian church came out of paganism. And so you read all the stuff they were having to deal with in the Corinthian church. When you know out of which they came, you you have some understanding of that. And Paul had to address even the sinful uses of the body in worship. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 18, he says, flee immorality, a hint toward asceticism. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Uh, He doesn't even mention the spirit, the soul. Uh, The only spirit he mentions here is the Holy Spirit. But he's saying, no, in Romans 12 terms, present your body as a living sacrifice. Now, this is a good place, 1 Corinthians 6 is a good place to start when it comes to a a brief theology of uh, the body. And there are a couple of things that that we can say from this passage. Are you ready for this? You might want to write this down. First of all, your body belongs to God. Your body, it belongs to God. Now, that's not what our prevailing culture says today. In fact, there are some remnants of Gnosticism in our culture and paganism. And you find it in the language of the abortion activist who says something like this, get your hands and your laws off my body. And the implication in that is My body belongs to me, and I tell my body what to do. You don't tell me what to do with my body. That's at the heart and at the core of the pro-abortion debate. And I wouldn't expect the world, the world system that is controlled by the devil and that entices the flesh toward evil, wouldn't expect them to think any differently of their body. But for a Christian to say, It's my body and I'll do with it what I want, including the abortion of a child, is so unbiblical 
in so many ways, starting with a biblical theology of the body, your body and my body belong to God. Paul says you've been bought with a price. Uh, The picture here is you've been redeemed from the slave market of sin. Sin is no longer your master. Jesus Christ is now your master. Your body belongs to Him. And you're to bring your body and present it to Him as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. That everything we do with our body that is on loan to us from God and and houses our spirit, and as we'll get to in a moment, the Holy Spirit as well, take care of your body. Make sure you, you present it to the Lord that everything you've done with your body can be identified as holy and acceptable to Him. Yes, your body that is disease-ridden. Yes, your body that sometimes has body odor. Yes, your body that is sometimes overweight. That body that you don't love, that body you want to change, bring your body to worship. Even in the 16th century, the church formed what was called the Heidelberg Catechism and recited these words in their worship services, I am not my own but I belong with body and soul, both life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you affirm that? Can you affirm the Heidelberg Catechism? I'm not my own anymore. I've relinquished my rights to Jesus Christ, who is now my master, and starts with my body. You're listening to Something Good Radio with Dr. Ron Jones. Today's message, The Transformed Worshipper, along with all of Ron's messages, can be heard on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. Use the radio tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. Ron Jones' Discipleship Coaching Experience, Starting Point, A Disciple's First Steps. In Starting Point, Ron takes you back to the fundamentals of the Christian faith and helps equip you to fulfill the Great Commission by making disciples of others. To find Starting Point, a disciple's first steps, look for Something Good courses when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Have you ever wanted to visit the land of the Bible and walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Join Dr. Ron and Catherine Jones and the Something Good Radio team for a thrilling Israel tour happening in January 2022. Experience a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Walk down the Via Dolorosa. Visit Gethsemane where Jesus prayed and Calvary where he shed his blood for you. Step inside the empty tomb and see for yourself that your Savior is risen indeed. Is the Holy Land on your bucket list? Experience Israel 2022. Register at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. To make a reservation or to get more information on our trip to the Holy Land, look for Something Good Travel when you visit somethinggoodradio.org. Something Good exists only through the faithful prayer and financial support of friends like you. As you give today, as our thank you, we'd like to offer you the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, True Worship. 
That's all five messages in Ron's teaching series, True Worship. This content is available for a limited time to our monthly partners or for anyone who sends a gift today. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices 757-276-1099. Bring your body to worship. Present your body to the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable before Him. But don't stop there. Don't be afraid to engage in rigorous thought. Tozer said what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. If you can't get through to a biblical understanding of who God is and the way He has revealed Himself because you got all this trash in there and you're just weeding through the trash to get to some revelation of God. No, you got you to take out the trash and renew your mind with the Word of God. That's next time when Ron shares part two of his message, The Transformed Worshiper. Join us then for something good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.